As you're being seated, go ahead and find your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke chapter 6. We continue our series that we've been calling the Red Letters, where we look at some of the direct teachings of Jesus. Uh, One of the things that I love about being a pastor is you get to meet so many different people. And when you're a pastor and you meet people and they find out that that you preach, it's amazing some of the spiritual things that people begin saying. It's like they suddenly became much more spiritual whenever they talk to you. And a lot of times people will say things that really are not biblically correct. And I found that you've got to be careful. You can't always just correct people on the spot or you might offend them or start a war or something like that. But I'll hear people say, uh, anyone who does something like that, that's a one-way ticket to hell. Or I'll hear you know, you'll go to heaven as long as you behave. Or God gave us the Bible to be our rule book. And the Bible, this this is our rule book. It's what we do. It's what we don't do. Now, one of the great distinctives of Jesus is that he didn't just call us to follow a set of rules or teachings. Jesus' primary call was for us to trust in him as our Lord, to trust in Him as our Savior. Now, that's a huge distinctive because if you look at other major religious figures, they taught that you're supposed to do this, follow those teachings, and then you'll be right with the deity or you'll become the deity yourself. Jesus said, no, what I am calling you to do is to trust in me as Lord and Savior, and this is how you enter into a relationship with God. So, we have this doctrine called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that when a person believes in Christ, uh, they are outwardly baptized with water, and that is an outward sign of their belief in Christ. Spiritually, there is something that goes on called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit baptizes you or immerses you in Christ. So from a spiritual realm, when you place faith in Christ as Savior, God sees you in Christ. So God sees you uh, in Christ, and because Jesus is God's Son, in Christ you are God's child. Because Jesus is without sin, when God sees you in Christ, though you've done things that are wrong, you are righteous because God is seeing you in Christ. So you're forgiven. Just like Jesus overcame death, when you are in Christ, you too overcome death and have eternal life. And just like Jesus has a divine mission, whenever you are in Christ, you too have a divine mission. There is a reason why you take up space and take in air. Being in Christ is a state of being that leads to a physical state of doing. Our Christian life basically flows from the inside out. Whenever you are in Christ, whenever you are a believer, we understand that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, and He awakens our spiritual side so that we begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see, there are some things about God that You can't really understand until you know God. And whenever you become a believer, the Holy Spirit begins to awaken your spiritual side and give you a thirst for those things that are are from God. And you have a godly wisdom 
to discern what is right and what is wrong. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit as our counselor, that the Holy Spirit would guide us in our decision-making. He also referred to the Holy Spirit as our comforter. And so when you go through those seasons of grief, when you go through those crisis moments where you're looking for a job, where you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, whenever your child is sick, the Bible says that God gives us the Holy Spirit to be our comforter. And as we yield our lives to the Spirit of God's work within us, we become a new creation in Christ. Ultimately, God does a work within us that flows into our speech and flows into our behavior. So one of the great awakenings that a person can have in Christianity is to come to that realization that God doesn't love me because of my loveliness. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That Jesus didn't say to you and to me, hey, clean up your act and then I'll die. That Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And God's love is extended to me because of my faith in Christ as Savior and Lord. And so I experienced the, the ongoing love relationship. I experienced the forgiveness. I experienced the grace of God through Christ, not based upon my own goodness. So now this leads us to a good question, a tad bit cynical, but a good question. And that is, if God's love for me in Christ is unconditional, and my salvation is not up to my good behavior, then what's the point of serving God? I mean, I'm in no matter what I do. I'm in Christ. And so so what's the whole point of serving God and going to church and doing good things and loving people and being that kind of person? Look with me to verse 43. Jesus said, A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from the bramble bush. Now, in verse 43, we have the good tree. And Jesus is using this as an illustration. The good tree represents one that is a genuine follower of Christ. You see, whenever you are a believer in Christ, and Christ has taken up residence in your life and the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, then one of the natural results of that is that your life is going to bear good fruit for Christ. So whenever you do what you're doing right now, whenever you attend church, whenever you read your Bible, whenever you give to the offering, whenever you serve in the church, whenever you unload a pumpkin truck, whenever you uh, care about your neighbor, whenever you share the gospel, whenever you pray with those that are hurting, these are natural fruits of being alive in Christ. When our life is rooted in Christ, we naturally have fruit that begins to flow and to be seen in our life. You don't do these things in order to be saved. You do these things because you are saved. Now, there's some things as Christians we reject. As a Christian, you ought to reject Foul language and language that 
tears others down and language that is ungodly. We ought to uh, be discerning about our entertainment choices. And so we reject some things that will not grow us in Christ, but they will tear us down. They will not yield good fruit, but they will yield uh, spoiled fruit. And you don't avoid these things because if you don't, God's going to love you less. You avoid sinful speech. You avoid uh, sinful thoughts and actions because in Christ, that's just not who you are anymore. You don't want to be that person. You want to be the person that is Christ-like. Now, there are times when all of us do wrong. Even as believers, there's still times in our life where we do wrong. Even Paul Reed sins. I know, it's hard to believe, but even Paul Reed does things that are wrong, right, Paul? In fact, I think we need to do an intervention right now, don't we? (laughs) So, Paul, there's been some things we want to talk to you about, okay? These might be painful for you. I'm, I'm kidding. But all of us do, do things that are wrong. And whenever we do things that are wrong, as Christians, we need to be honest with God about that. I mean, it's not like God doesn't know. You know, be honest with God about it. We confess our sins, and the Bible tells us that He is faithful and just to cleanse us from our unrighteousness and that that relationship can continue to grow and thrive because we don't let sin come between us and the Lord. But now, you need to be careful. In Christianity, there will always be those who desire to minimize grace and maximize works. These are the modern-day Pharisees. You remember the Pharisees? These were the individuals that Jesus continued to bump heads with. They were very pious They knew the Scriptures. They attended church three times a week. They did all sorts of godly kind of things, but their heart was dripping with judgment, and they literally were plotting the death of Jesus. There are many modern-day Pharisees, and you have to be careful about them. When Pharisees dress up for Halloween, they dress as grace, faith, and the Holy Ghost. Because all three of those things are really scary to the Pharisees. Pharisees struggle to think spiritually. They struggle to think of salvation as something that begins on the inside and then moves outward, something that that is an act of God within you. And so here's the the core area where the modern-day Pharisees struggle. They prefer to think of salvation as something that's outside in. And so they prefer to think of your walk with God as something that begins with you behaving correctly, and then it will move inward, perhaps, into your heart. Now, here's the huge problem that occurs whenever you have a theology of good behavior Christianity. When you start thinking that Christianity is basically about you behaving better, and then it'll work its way in, by the time it gets to your heart, it's saturated with judgment. I'm a father of four kids, eight, seven, three, and nine months. Now, one of the things that I've learned, and you learn this the further you go in parenting, so by the time I get to the fourth kid here, I've got this down. I've learned you better be very careful about eating anything that they offer you, okay? If a two- or three-year-old comes up and offers you something like, hey, Dad, want a Cheeto? It's so cute, you know? And especially if it's a crunchy Cheeto, because I'm a sucker for crunchy Cheeto. How many of you are puffy Cheeto people? 
Okay, there'll be an invitation for y'all later, okay? Crunchy Cheetos are the way to go. But anyway, you know, he comes up, okay, we can still be Christians and friends if we have puppy Cheetos as well. But anyway, so, so your three-year-old comes up with a Cheeto and offers it to you. Chances are it's been on the floor. It's like been in their mouth and the cheese is already gone. They've like done this, you know, and, and then they're offering it to you. I, I mean, it's a tainted Cheeto. The previous passage said, do not judge or you will not be judged. I'm not talking about judging Cheetos, okay? Then it said, do not condemn or you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Pharisees are always willing to share their religion with you. They go over the top trying to share their religion with you. But the problem is this. Like a three-year-old sharing a Cheeto, what they share with you is messed up. It's not the teachings of Jesus. It's the teachings of man. Pharisee Christians will always be dripping with judgment. Now, why, why is it that they're dripping with judgment? Because when, when you are trying to be good enough to please God, and you think, I have to be this good, and if I'm not this good, God's not going to love me, or if I, if I, if I don't do this, then God's going to extend His love from me, and then whenever I do good, He'll give it back to me. If you're, if you're thinking that, your relationship with God is based on how good you can be rather than about how good Jesus is, then what you have to do is you always have to tear down the competition. Because you you know your own sin. You know the darkness of your heart. And so, so you struggle with that. So what you do is you try to make yourself feel better by pushing other people down. So you don't really have anything that, I mean, I mean, Ultimately, all you do is you just kind of have this judgmental, critical spirit. Nobody's ever good enough. And in doing that, it, it makes you feel better about yourself. And so your Christianity ultimately becomes rooted in pride. Pharisees would make good politicians, wouldn't they? You don't have to have any ideas. Just tear everybody else down. Verse 45 says, Now a good man produces good out of the good storeroom of his heart. And an evil man produces evil out of the evil storeroom. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So now, what is a good man or a good woman? What is a good man or a good woman? Well, it's more than someone who goes to church, although I recommend going to church. It's more than someone who loves his family. It's more than someone who knows the Bible. The good man is the one who has opened his heart to Christ that has received the grace of Christ within him. A good man is the one who has his life rooted in Christ, and so he is a tree bearing good fruit for Christ. Now notice, Jesus says the good man has a storeroom. Around my house, my garage is our storeroom. A few months ago, my girls and I decided to clean it out. Now, what we discovered is there was a lot of junk in my storeroom. We found boxes that we put there the day that we moved in seven years ago. Still there. I found this house, these house decor items, like a whole bag full of house decor items that my sister gave us 15 years ago. They survived three moves, and Stacy and I kept thinking, one of these days we'll put these decor items out, and they just never got out. Now they're so out of style, we'd look like the Brady Bunch if we put them out, you know? Uh, I mean, uh, most of us have that storeroom full of junk. But now as I was going through 
the storeroom, the garage, I also found my backpack. Now, those of you that know me know that I, I love backpacking. I love hiking. Whenever I pack my backpack, I don't put junk in there because I got to take that backpack into life. Everything you put in there, you got to carry. So you learn real quickly. You only put things in the backpack that you really need. You're real careful about what you pack in there because you're going to take that into life. Now, the storeroom that is talked about here is not your messy garage or that shed that whenever you open the door requires that you pray before you enter it. The good man here is said to have a good storeroom, and the bad man is said to have a dark storeroom. And the good man places his most treasured possessions within the storeroom. Because the storeroom that is spoken of here is our heart. So what is it that you place within your heart? As believers in Jesus Christ, I think we should place the truth of the Word of God in our heart. We read God's truth. I I pray that every day you have a time in your life where you're reading the truth of God. We are committed to at this church that every sermon that I preach, we will look at the Word of God and we will talk about the Bible. I'm not going to stand up here and just give you a self-help talk with a twist of Jesus. We're going to look at Scripture. Whenever you enter into life group, you need to study the Word of God because we need to hide the Word of God in our heart. Whenever I first started preaching, I used to think, you know, this week I'm going to preach a great sermon, and I'm going to preach this sermon. It's going to fix everything, okay? Everybody in the church will just be fixed because this sermon will be so good. And, and then I'd preach it, and things would kind of stay the same, and so I'd do it again the next week. And, you know, what, what I've discovered after now 20-plus years of preaching is that I started when I was 12. Great sermons are really not preached in 30 minutes, I know you'd prefer 25. Great sermons are preached week after week when we study the Word of God and we store it within our heart. Great sermons are preached by guys like my dad who's been preaching for 36 years to the same congregation. Al Draper did that over in Wiley, 35, 36 years to the same congregation. Week after week, open the Word of God, we teach it, you store it within your heart. Because here, I understand this, sometimes what we're covering in the course of a week may not really be on the top shelf in your life right now, but you store it in your heart. Because that day comes when you need it. And when the Word of God has been carefully stored within your heart, it gives you the strength and the wisdom to navigate the various challenges of life. Within our heart, we open ourselves to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as Christians, we believe that the Holy Spirit indwells us and guides us. And so every minute of the day, you make choices. And these choices have causes and effects. And you are where you are in life today because of the choices that you have made. And so as you open your heart to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit guides you towards wisdom. Wisdom, the Holy Spirit guides you towards holiness, and He allows you to make good choices that produce good fruit instead of making choices that are going to produce spoiled, rotten fruit. The good man produces good in the storeroom of his heart. Good uh, Christians don't do good things in order to earn God's love. 
You do good things because God's love is stored within you. One of my lashisms that I have is that you do because you are, not in order to be. You do because you are, not in order to be. My heart finds a lot of joy when I see our church loving one another and caring for one another. I'm not really a big fan of social media. I, I realize it's the world we live in, and so I have a Facebook account, and I even have a Twitter account, and about once a year I make a tweet. Um, but I check Facebook fairly regularly. But I'm not a huge fan of it, but there's something that I really like about social media, and that is that it has given Christians a platform to care for one another and to share our lives with each other and our needs with one another. Yesterday, I was looking on social media, and I saw prayer requests. This pastor, uh, uh, Pastor Antonio, has a bacterial infection, and people immediately were like, I think Jesse is one of y'all's friends, right? And people were immediately like, we're praying for Antonio, we're praying for him. And I was like, this is beautiful. Last night, uh, Chrisman and Thomas, their daughter was in a motorcycle accident, and I praise God she's, she's going to be okay. Uh, but it, they, they called out for prayer like after midnight, and I saw first thing this morning, people were saying, we're walking with you, we're praying for you. And I'm like, this is the church being the church. This is goodness flowing out of the storerooms of our heart. A few weeks ago, a little boy named Xander passed away in Wiley. I, I never met Xander, but I was amazed to see how this little boy brought such a spirit of life, and literally he touched the city of Wiley. And I, I watched through the news and through social media how people just poured out goodness as he poured out to them, and the community poured out love to that family. That's bringing good out of the storeroom of our hearts. There are few things in life that are more beautiful than seeing genuine love and joy pouring out of our hearts into our speech and then being seen in our behavior. Few things more beautiful than that. And there are few things more disturbing than watching darkness pour out of the storeroom of our heart. The contrast says an evil man produces evil out of the evil storeroom for his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Notice the progression of the verse. Evil is stored within the heart and then evil begins to move to the mouth and then it invades life. So what kind of things are you allowing into the storeroom of your heart? Sometimes it starts with an entertainment choice. I'm going to watch this. It's not that bad. It's just a shade of gray, maybe a 50 shade of gray. I'll watch this video Nobody will know that I'm watching it. And then you store it in your heart. And it seemed innocent enough, but before you know it, you start finding yourself talking to her after work. And then you're texting back and forth. And there's some harmless flirtation in the conversation, but you know, that's not who you are. And then you find yourself in a situation that you never imagined. How did I get into an affair? My family's torn apart. My children no longer respect me. My reputation is ruined. How did I get here? And it started in the storeroom of your heart. 
every day of life, we hear about people engaging in acts of evil and acts of darkness, and we sometimes ask ourselves, how does this happen? It starts in the storeroom of your heart, and then it moves into your words. Words are not harmless. Words matter. And as it moves into your words, it moves into your life. And it eventually reaches your behavior. When we store darkness in the storeroom of our heart, it eventually overflows into our life. But I am thankful that the message of Jesus Christ was more than behaving better. The message of Jesus Christ is that He can give you a new heart. His message was about heart transformation. I think of David in Psalm 51. David, the great king, a man of God who had fallen into dark, dark sin. He had slept with Bathsheba. He had killed her husband. And then he called out to God in Psalm 51 and verse 10. And he said, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I think of the prophet Ezekiel who looked forward to the time when Jesus would come. And he wrote as a prophecy, he said, when, when the Messiah comes, God will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Now think about that. One of the things that Jesus does is He removes our heart of stone and He gives us a heart that is alive spiritually. And then, I, then, then Ezekiel says, and He places His Spirit within us and He causes us to follow His statutes and observe His ordinances not out of our willpower or out of how good I can be or a look-at-me attitude, but He causes us to follow His statutes through the power of His Spirit. God can give you a new heart. Jesus' message begins in the inside and moves out. And the beauty of Christ's call is that it's extended to all. Rich or poor, young or old, whether you grew up in church or whether you grew up in the bars. It crosses geography, it crosses generations, it crosses culture. The message of Jesus is extended to all, and the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to stay the same. You can be that tree whose life produces good fruit because you are rooted in Christ. And so I ask you this final question. Is today your day? Is today the day whenever you need to open up your heart to Christ and receive the salvation that only He can bring? Would you bow your heads with me right where you are? The band's going to come at this time. In just a few moments, they're going to lead us in a song and we'll sing. And some of you may feel led to pray during that time. But I just want to ask you this question. Is this your moment? Has God been working in your heart and leading you to this moment right here where you understand the grace of God through Jesus Christ and you need to open your heart and and open your heart to God to just invade you and change you from the inside out? This needs to be your day of salvation. Is this your moment? Would you pray something like this? Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. 
I place my faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and I ask you to give me your spirit and to change me and to give me a new heart. I want to be that tree that bears good fruit for you. I need your spirit to guide me so that my life can know you and follow you in every way. Lord, please make this my day of salvation. Pray that prayer in the name of Christ. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But if this is your moment, if this was your day of salvation, would you just look up at me? I'd just like to, like to see. Would you just look up at me? I'd love to be a pastor to you. Love to baptize you. Love to teach you about Christ. We can walk this walk together. Church, we're in this thing called life together. Let's love one another. May love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control flow from our lives because that is the fruit of the Spirit. That is what the tree produces that is planted in Christ Jesus. Church family, let's stand. Let's sing this hymn. If you feel led to sing, sing. If you feel led to pray, pray. If I can pray with you about anything, I'm here at the front. It's my honor to do so.